Xbox On. Hello and welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 15th, 2019, including Xbox First Party Studio Head has confirmed that some Xbox games will be multi-platform going forward, Halo Wars 2 support is officially over, and the Minecraft Super Duper Graphics Pack has been cancelled. All that and much more coming up. And again, I just want to encourage everyone this week to submit any questions or comments that they would like to have read on the air for future episodes, as I really do want the show to become strongly focused on listener thoughts and ideas, as to make this feel more like a two-way conversation than just a one-way, me talking into a microphone kind of podcast. Leave comments on the YouTube videos uh, to get content right on the air. Um, Tweet at me at secondbestrock. Or just feel free to email me directly at the email address secondbestrock at gmail.com. Any of those should uh, find their way to me. And uh, like I said, we can start getting some listener feedback baked into the show. Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Uh, let's just get on with today's show. All right, let's kick off this week's news with an exciting story and an easy, fun one, which is, of course, Gears 5 has officially gone gold. So directly from the Xbox Wire... From all of us here at the Coalition, we couldn't be more excited to share Gears 5 with the world. I want to thank the team who has worked so hard, and our fans, and we hope that you're all as excited as we are to play Gears 5, said Rod Ferguson, studio head at the Coalition. This is the furthest we have ever taken the franchise, living our studio mantra of, if you want to go far, go together, end quote. So uh, they also released alongside a full list of the achievements for the game, which is also available if you want to just take a look through that uh, for all you achievement hunters out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gears of War 5 has gone gold. This isn't so much a big news story as it is just, uh, it's almost here, you know, a couple of weeks till the game actually launches and it's shipped. It's, or it's completed. It's, it's being manufactured and shipped on disc format. And of course, now we're just waiting, you know, any day now to start playing the game. So that's exciting news. Uh, and then the second little piece of exciting news to get things started with this week, the official Halo Twitter account just tweeted out a couple, uh, a couple hours ago, actually. Uh, they said, quote, over 2.6 million player-created game types from Halo 3, Halo Reach, and Halo 4 have been successfully copied for future access on Master Chief Collection. Up next, we'll be copying custom maps on August 26th. Uh, and what this is announcing is basically all those maps and play, uh, game modes and, and things that people have made throughout the years on Halo 3, 4, and Reach uh, will all be coming over to Master Chief Collection. So expect to see all that content there soon, which, I mean, obviously it's not 343 or Bungie-created content, but this is ostensibly endless amounts of new content to play. Uh, and more important than that, it's just historically preserving you know the the time and hard work that players spent over the years uh, making new content for these games and and it's kind of just a historic piece of what forge once was and it's just so cool to have all these relics and all these pieces of history and halo fandom just kind of preserved through the master chief collection once again kind of solidifying this as like the definitive ultimate uh like fan servicey piece of of content ever ever created in my opinion um I don't know. You can say what you want about the Master Chief Collection based off its kind of rough start, but I, in my opinion, there's no way denying that this has just been an incredible package of a game, and, and 343 has done nothing shy of an amazing job of just trying to constantly be there to improve this package and to make it the best collection of games ever. I mean, we, we got ODST, we got Reach, and we never thought we'd get those. 
and now we're getting all this Forge content. It's it's really the definitive place to just play Halo, and I'm excited to see this kind of grow from like a compilation game series to just being like the Halo service. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if one day in the future. Master Chief Collection is no longer a game you buy. And it's more of just like a built-in service on the Xbox app, whether that's on your PC or your Xbox. It's just kind of like baked into Halo or baked into Xbox is Halo the Master Chief Collection, which is your one your one-stop place to uh, to consume and enjoy Halo. So again, just Halo Master Chief Collection becoming even better than it already is. Uh, so that's exciting. But now we'll get into our first like actual story of the week which is that Xbox's first-party studio head, Matt Booty, recently spoke with Game Informer about the potential future of newly acquired Xbox studios having their games on multi-platform. When asked the question in regards to studios like Double Fine and Obsidian, Booty said, I think that that question is less binary about should it be on Switch or should it be on PlayStation, and it's more does it make sense for the franchise. In other words, is it the kind of game where it would benefit from the network effect or from being on a bunch of different platforms or is it a game where we can best support it by putting resources and making sure that our platforms things like xcloud and game pass and xbox live are really leaning in to support the game so just i wrote i wrote a little something to kind of expound on this while i was thinking about the quote and i said originally many like myself speculated that the game games like outer worlds and psychonauts 2 would be multi-platform just due to the nature that you know these other platform versions of these games were already well into development around the time Microsoft acquired these studios. But it appears that Microsoft may now be handling the conversation of multi-platform versus versus Xbox exclusivity on a case-by-case basis, meaning that maybe games like Psychonauts 2 don't sell Xbox consoles. You know, like it's cool that Psychonauts 2 could theoretically be an Xbox exclusive because Xbox owns Double Fine, but is that really a smart business move? Because you know people aren't going to be flocking to stores to buy Xbox units so they can play Psychonauts 2. I mean, sure, some will, but in the long run, that's it's not a system seller by any stretch of the imagination. So it only stands to reason that you're hurting the game by not allowing it to be on Switch and PlayStation 4 platforms where people might pick it up if they already have a platform where the game is available, but they're not going to pick up a console to play the game. You know what I mean? However, games like Halo or Forza, of course, are system sellers. People will buy Xbox because... Xbox is the only way you're going to play Halo. People will play use the Xbox app on PC because that's the only way you're going to get Halo, right? Theoretically, that's the kind of move I think they might be making. So maybe that this will be like their kind of like train of thought when deciding with a with a game on a case by case basis. Should this be exclusive to Xbox? Should this be on everything? And then kind of like Matt Booty was saying his quote, which is that you know, think of a game like Sea of Thieves where it really benefits from. Xbox Live, the install base can be so high because it's on Game Pass. So then it's also a matter of should this game be exclusive to Xbox because it really benefits from the services Xbox offers and it would really be hindered by being held down on Nintendo Switch where you don't have Game Pass, you don't have Xbox Live, or should it be on everything because it's a game like Minecraft where you don't really need Game Pass or Xbox Live or any of those services to really bolster the game and make it successful. You can just kind of have it be Minecraft and it works perfectly on everything because it's cross-play. Um, so again, the case-by-case basis, but I really think this is an interesting, another example of Microsoft kind of seeing like the forest through the trees and, and kind of being able to drown out the public conversation about, it's, it's kind of an antiquated conversation we have, right, about console exclusivity the way we've always thought about with Sega versus Nintendo up to today where it's, you know, Microsoft versus Sony. And Microsoft is thinking about this in a more dynamic and and futuristic kind of way, which is what's going to make us the most money, but still allow us to be an exclusive platform that entices people to our brand 
and sets us apart from the competition and makes us a, f- a friendly and compatible competitor and just all these different things that again you know modern xbox is really ahead of the curve with and i mean you can think it's a big mistake and who knows maybe this is a huge mistake for microsoft to be making these moves but i think it's a smart one and i think in five years time we will be looking back and giving microsoft credit for being like the kind of spear head leader in all this although i don't think microsoft making these kinds of moves directly translates to nintendo and sony following suit i just think it it is going to evolve the way we think about first-party games and things like that going forward. Uh, So furthermore, though, Booty does have a little more to his quote before we move on. He says, With something like Minecraft, I think it's a no-brainer that we were never going to try and take anything from players that existed on other platforms. And certainly we've added platforms since the acquisition, said Booty. And of course, he's talking to, you know, before Microsoft bought Minecraft, it was already on PlayStation and everything like that. And since Microsoft acquired uh, Mojang and Minecraft, they... Uh, added it to Wii U and Switch and, and things like that. That's what he's referring to. But then he says, but then obviously we're going to have our big franchises like Forza, Halo, Sea of Thieves, where those games were designed uh, from the outset to really exist on Xbox. And I think that they will continue to. And then I just wrote, um, and here we have Booty confirming essentially what I just said. Uh, now what really makes this interesting is trying to get a feel and see what makes uh, a game multi-platform or console exclusive worthy. I assume we'll eventually kind of see a trend and then be able to kind of guess based on the nature of a new, a newly announced game, what characteristics make a game more Xbox exclusive worthy versus multi-platform worthy. Um, And so, I mean, again, this is, this is going to be something that changes and redefines the way we think about console exclusivity and kind of first party games in general. Uh, But only, only time will really tell kind of what that shapes up to be. So moving on to our next story, it looks like Sumo Digital will no longer be developing the seemingly permanent development cycle that is Dead Island 2. In a quote from Sumo Digital, as noted in today's announcement, Dan Buster Studios is now the lead developer for Dead Island 2. This transition has been in plan for some time now and has no impact on Sumo's business or financial outlook. We look forward to Dead Island 2's release, and we wish our partners at THQ Nordic great success. As noted above, Dan Buster Studios will be leading development of the game going forward. The game was originally in development from Eager, uh, which began around 2012 and was formally announced in 2014 with that with that really popular e- E3 trailer of the person jogging with the, with the, with the zombie and whatnot. Uh, the game has experienced a serious ca- case of development hell, the likes which we have rarely ever seen before. And at this point, it's pretty safe to assume that the Dead Island 2 that we saw years back at E3 is almost certainly nothing like the Dead Island 2 that is currently in development. I don't know what to say about this game. I, I guess I do believe that eventually it will come out, but I'll be shocked if it's, if it's anything more than mediocre. Mediocre at best. I, I cannot picture them pulling this game off. I feel like at this point, well, with the game being in THQ Nordic's hand and THQ Nordic just being this kind of unproven newish publisher that's just gobbling up IP where it can and seemingly not releasing a whole lot of games just kind of doing some re-releases and buying a lot of talent and buying a lot of IP this is either going to be like a very middle of the road kind of mediocre game or it's or it's just never going to come out and and be stuck in development hell and it's going to be it's going to be one of those games you know people are going to be talking about 15 years after it was announced and it's going to be like the next um uh, the last guardian or, or whatever that game was called but, I mean, apparently it's still in development. Apparently it's still happening. You, you got to remember, the first Dead Island game was not very good. And then they had that spin-off kind of expansion-esque one. I think it was called, like, Riptide or something. And that was not good at all either. And the studio that made that game, Techland, eventually went off to make their own kind of Dead Island-esque game with um, Dying Light. And they're now making Dying Light 2. Dying Light, however, was fantastic. It's everything uh, Dead Island should have been. 
Uh, had excellent parkour mechanics. It was a great open world, uh, mechanically sound. Game ran and looked great. Everything Dead Island should have been. I don't see the need for a Dead Island 2, but we're going to keep uh, making it anyway and, and making it a thing, even though I don't think anyone's really questioning where the hell this game has went or went. And I think the news that it's now onto its third development is probably uh, shocking news for many people who didn't know or either forgot about the game. Um, so whatever it's still it's still coming apparently that's your update on dead island 2 if you're if you're still hanging on to that all right our next story is a really interesting one um so this isn't like groundbreaking news i just include this in the news section because i think it's important to get a developer's perspective on this really hot button topic uh which is the destiny development team recently spoke up at on um in a bungee blog post about the positive impact that microtransactions have had in their game Their post reads, or this excerpt from the post reads, um, as some folks have smartly pointed out, MTX is a big part of our business being a a live game. I assume MTX is like their multi-something. I've fallen off the Destiny bandwagon. I'm not quite sure, but it's the aspect of the game that includes microtransactions, I'm assuming. Uh, The post continues to go, I'm not going to say that MTX funds uh, the studio per se or pays for projects like Shadowkeep, which is their next big expansion. It doesn't wholly fund either of those things. But it does fund ongoing development of Destiny 2 and allows us to fund creative efforts we otherwise couldn't afford. And I think what's so important about this um, is the unique situation Destiny finds itself in, where they're now independent from Activision, and they're trying to support this game as a service without charging a monthly subscription like a game like World of Warcraft. Also to note, World of Warcraft is an Activision game, so it is a game backed by a publisher. But anyway, with only the one to two expansions released per year, it's hard to fund a game like this, you know? Uh, It's hard to keep updates and content coming without a way to kind of make you know build the player um so cases like this are certainly set a precedent i think for the justification of microtransactions or at least in some games it does and i just think this is important because we talk all day as gamers about microtransactions being evil kind of littering games making games kind of dirty and disgusting how you know we all want microtransactions out of our games Uh, they prey on people with um, weak spending habits and things like that. But I mean, this is an example of how microtransactions are really beneficial because you look at a game like Destiny, again, I'm kind of off the bandwagon, uh, but from what I understand, Destiny's microtransactions are not at all really, really bad. You buy like emotes and like color shaders and things like that. It's not like content that's actually affecting the game. Like most transaction microtransactions, it's just cosmetic stuff, right? But, you know, the people that support and buy that stuff allows Bungie to say, you know, we're working on this update. You know, this would take us months to complete, but we have the funds to send a bigger group of people to work on this update. And we were able to get that out sooner. We're able to better serve our community by having content out faster um, and just being able to take on more ambitious projects. And like they say in this quote, they're not saying that without microtransactions, we wouldn't be able to make Destiny because they're trying to be fair about it. But they are saying, you know, we are able to make Destiny an overall better experience for you guys, the community. Um, so don't just think it's all all negativity and just people being greedy, trying to make a quick buck. Microtransactions do have a place Uh if you see from from Bungie's perspective in in this quote um, that, you know, if you don't like them, don't buy them. But the people who do like them and do find it to be a product worthy of their money and want to spend money on that, which they're free to do, it's their own fucking money. These people are helping the studio keep this game alive uh, with regular content updates and patches the way, you know, we the community want that game to be taken care of. So it's kind of a win-win for everyone. Uh, but again, people are so adamant about hating microtransactions that, 
I think a quote like this is is uh, important to have just so that you can bring a different voice into the conversation, which is a voice that isn't represented enough, which is the people who are making these games, uh, number one. And number two, I think it kind of balances out this argument that they're just inherently evil microtransactions, you know, that that there is a place for them and there is a, a way in which they can exist and it can prove beneficial to all parties. Uh, whether you agree with that or not is totally up to you, but I just think this was an interesting quote because, you know, especially as Destiny continues to go on, it's definitely not as popular as it once was. It's no longer backed by Activision. Uh, and you might wonder how is Destiny going to how is Bungie going to keep this game up? And something like microtransactions really might be the answer. And I, I don't know. I just I think that's just an interesting thing to think about. All right, let's move on to the next story because we actually have a decent amount of news this week. Fans of the long dormant Splinter Cell series have been clamoring for a return for years now, and now we may have a little bit of insight into the franchise's future, for better or for worse. Ubisoft CEO Yves Gil- Gilmont recently spoke with Chinese video game outlet GamerSky about the future of the Splinter Cell series. From IGN, this quote reads, On Splinter Cell, there will be a new type of experience, but more on different devices, Gilmont said in the video interview. So we are working a lot on the brand today to come back at one point. Gilmont didn't announce a new Splinter Cell game in the interview. Instead, he just said that Ubisoft is, or has to, quote, find the right experiences to come back big. And so, yeah, he didn't he didn't say as much as I really expected him to say if he was going to open up and talk about it at all. But, you know, during E3, they announced some mobile game where Sam Fisher was a character in it. And then that paired with this quote makes me think Ubisoft is looking for a way to make their kind of Tomb Raider go uh, Hitman go kind of equivalent of like a Splinter Cell game where it's maybe a mobile experience. Maybe it's a VR experience, but I don't think they're currently interested in making what we tend to think of as a traditional Splinter Cell game, uh, like I said, for better or for worse. Um, and, I mean, the, the thing about this is Ubisoft, when you really think about it, is they don't make the kind of variety of games they once did. You might be able to say with exception with games like Rainbow Six Siege, but Rainbow Six Siege has something in common with all their games, which is that it's a service game. Uh, Ubisoft mostly just makes massive open world games where you like fill in the blinks and maps and collect things and unlock things and build out things and fill outposts and, and long campaigns and things like that. And um, traditional Splinter Cell doesn't really fit that kind of build or that narrative. So I think, I really think Ubisoft is is saying, they're scratching their heads saying, how can we turn Splinter Cell into this kind of game? And if that's not a thing they can do, they're saying, what can we do with this IP uh, to make a new and unique kind of experience? Because for whatever reason, Ubisoft just doesn't seem to be interested in making those kinds of games anymore. Um, I mean, like, Look at everything. Look at The Division. Look at Far Cry. Look at Ghost Recon. All these games, they're big, open world, explorative, fill-in-the-map kind of experiences. Assassin's Creed. I think if they their situation is they want to make Splinter Cell a game like that, but they can't. And so they're trying to find out what else they could do to reinvent the series. Because for whatever reason, they don't want to make Splinter Cell the kind of game it once was. The third-person action stealth game. I wouldn't hold my breath uh, waiting on a traditional Splinter Cell game. I think they're either going to make some kind of phone game or some kind of VR experience, but I really don't think we're getting Splinter Cell the way we once had it. So maybe that's just a pessimistic view on it, but uh, whether or not you're optimistic about the future of the franchise, I don't know how you can see this quote and not think of it as Splinter Cell as we know it is at least gone. Maybe just for now, but you're not getting that Splinter Cell game anytime soon, and it's not the Splinter Cell you once knew. All right, next story. Uh, This is a quick one. Um, It's just kind of a follow-up. A couple weeks back, we talked about that weird exclusive alpha that Plants vs. Zombies was doing for a new title that was kind of unannounced, um, which we assumed was a 
Garden Warfare game, but it seems that might not be the case. So it appears that the new Plants vs. Zombies game would rather be an all-new Plants vs. Zombie game called Battle for Neighborville. Uh, Neighborville, whatever. Footage for this unconfirmed game was began surfacing last week, uh, and sources at Windows Central have confirmed that at least some of the footage is actually legitimate, which further thickens the plot that the current slate of Plants vs. Zombies games may be just kind of a jumbled mess. We don't know if there's multiple third-person 3D games or just the one Plants vs. Zombie game on mobile or some combination of these games. Uh, perhaps what's most likely is that Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville is indeed a third entry in the Garden Warfare series, but with a new name and different setting. Uh, only time will tell really on this one, but it may be like a uh, like the gameplay and kind of system of a Garden Warfare game, but not Garden Warfare, you know? Maybe like maybe this is like the Black Ops or the Call of Duty Ghosts of, uh, of two Modern Warfare, uh, whereas this is, you know, I, I don't know. But it, this only makes things a little more confusing. Um, I don't think this means Garden Warfare 3 is on the way at the moment. There's no way they're working on three Plants vs. Zombies games at the moment, but I could be wrong. Either way, we'll learn more about that, I assume, pretty soon as that alpha, as that close alpha comes to a close. Uh, maybe at Gamescom this week, we'll learn something. All right, now we move into a little bit of sad news uh, coming from Windows Central. Halo Wars 2 fans started a petition on change.org to try and get noticed by 343 Industries, requesting further development, much-requested fixes, and balance changes, as well as a Steam version of Halo Wars 2. Something we'd heard about for a long time uh, that was on the cards. Sadly, 343 responded today to say that the studio is not committing any more resources to Halo Wars 2, as it puts its focus on the Master Chief Collection. A full statement is as follows. As awesome as these requests are, and as much as we personally share the same desires, the unfortunate reality is that we are currently unable to commit to any further Halo Wars 2 continued development or support at this time. The same team is currently working on bringing the Master Chief Collection to PC and Halo Reach, uh, to the Master Chief Collection as well. Uh, the 343 publishing team is also the team that helped to make Halo Wars 2 a reality. With a large scope and an immense amount of work surrounding the Master Chief Collection on PC, the resources uh, that were previously focused on Halo Wars 2 have been pulled over to help support the Master Chief Collection and Halo Reach development. Every one of us cares deeply for Halo Wars 2 and the awesome community that is that continues to play the game. The team has previously partnered with directly with the Halo Wars community to be heavily involved in the balanced patches, bug fixes, and numerous improvements to the game, both during initial development as well as beyond its launch and subsequent subsequent DLC releases. Since launch, Halo Wars 2 has received 18 content updates and over 30 balanced patches that were built entirely on community feedback and request changes. While we love to keep that great partnership going, at this time, the team doesn't have the bandwidth to work on Halo Wars 2 with other development efforts taking priority. Wrapping up, he says... This doesn't mean that the team won't revisit Halo Wars 2 in the future. We'll never say that. But it does mean that these requests are things that the team is unable to commit to uh, for the foreseeable future. Who knows? Maybe we will be able to focus some of that, uh, those requests in the petition later down the road. But at this time, in the interest of transparency and an open dialogue, we just wanted to be upfront and realistic that there are no current plans to do so. Thank you all for your feedback, etc., etc. So that's a a bit of a long response, but it's really nice that 343 was, again, it's the typical modern Microsoft Xbox thing where they're just super open, super transparent, super direct and communicative with their audience saying that we had to pull all that, that Halo Wars 2 um, team over on the Master Chief Collection, trying to get Reach finished up on PC and all these things. Uh, so at the moment, Halo Wars 2 is um, not getting that love. Which is, you know, really unfortunate. I only played through Halo Wars 2 the one time when it first came out. I blasted through the campaign. 
play a little bit of multiplayer. I never really came back to it. And I know it did have some bugs. For example, I played through the entire campaign, didn't get a single achievement to pop. Something was glitched with my achievements. Still bothers me to this day that I don't have any achievements for that game, even though I played through the entirety of it. But I, I know other people were having some more serious bugs and things like that. It seems like they definitely addressed a lot of those things. And I know they released a DLC pack, uh, which was supposedly really good. And then there was like some kind of ultimate edition, which pissed people off because something about gamers always wanting to be mad. Um, but, you know, it's just as someone who maybe doesn't know as much as some other people who played plenty of Halo Wars 2, that um, they really did put a lot of content in this game, a lot of community focus on it and updates and patches and things like that. And, you know, they definitely support it for a year or two, which is like all you can really ask for in a game. But um, hey, 343 has put themselves in a weird position now where, especially with the Master Chief Collection, they've proven themselves to be so incredibly com committed to constantly making things better and listening to their audience and making patches and updates and content support and all that to the point where it, it's just kind of contradictory for them to, you know, give the Master Chief Collection or Halo 5 all this love and support, but not give Halo Wars 2 the support. But they do mention that they are still open-minded to maybe one day in the future being able to come back to it. I think another big problem with this is that Halo Wars 2 really didn't sell well. And I hate to say that because I love Halo. I love Halo Wars. Um, and I want to see these games do very well, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. That game came out in what, February, 2017, and it just came and went. No one said a thing. Anecdotally, it seems like that game did not perform well. And I just don't know that it's in anyone's best interest, or at least 343 and Microsoft's best interest to be dedicating their resources to that, to that game right now, when they have projects that are more pressing both financially and in terms of satisfying a larger community, which is, you know, Master Chief Collection. And then of course, let's not forget 343 is also making a game called Halo Infinite right now, which might take a little bit of a, a of time to get that thing together. So, you know, I just think I, while, of course, the people working on Master Chief Collection and Halo Infinite are different teams, 343 is only so many people. And you really have to be understanding that their resources are spread thin and that they're trying to appease the community as much as they can. But there's only so much that these people can do. Um, so hopefully in the future, they can come back to Halo Wars 2. Hopefully in the future, both Halo Wars games make their way onto Master Chief Collection because, like I said, I really think Master Chief Collection is going to, over the years, continue to stick with the Xbox brand and grow into, like, the Halo platform and not, like, a Halo Collection game that you can buy for Xbox One. So maybe maybe when that happens, which I, I think is pretty, pretty undeniably what's going to happen in the future, uh, we'll see more support and updates and, and stuff come for Halo Wars 2. All right, now for a little more sad news. The Minecraft Super Duper Graphics Pack has been canceled. Um, so back in 2017, Microsoft announced the Super Graphics Pack for Minecraft, which promised highly sophisticated lighting, advanced graphics, and more. Unfortunately, though, the, Mi the Minecraft team at Mojang has, trouble has had some trouble getting the pack to run well across all platforms and has therefore decided to pull the plug on the project altogether. Their official statement is as follows. Some of you might remember us announcing the Super Duper Graphics Pack during the E3 2017 show. Super Duper was an ambitious initiative that brought a new look to Minecraft, but was unfortunately, but unfortunately, the pack proved too technically demanding to implement as planned. We realize that this is disappointing to some of you, and that there are some there is some enthusiasm for the Super Duper Pack from inside the from inside and outside the studio, but unfortunately. We aren't happy with how the pack is performed across all devices. For this reason, we're stopping development on the pack and looking into ways uh, for which you can experience Minecraft with a new look. So it sounds like they're actually still going to work for a way to get maybe some of this content, 
or some kind of graphically enhanced update pack available for Minecraft, but the one we saw the trailer for, the one that was formally announced a couple of years ago is gone. And this is sad, but this is kind of this is kind of what happens when you have a game that you try to have running on all platforms instead of just taking advantage of your platform. So example, this kind of ties back into that story earlier about Microsoft games being multi-platform. Um, I, I assume that they had no problem getting this super duper graphics pack to run well on Xbox One X. And I assume they probably had no problem getting it to run well on Xbox, just regular Xbox One. Um, I assume it ran well on the PS4 version. Of course, PC was fine, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were having trouble with it on the Switch, on some versions of iPhone, some versions of Android, you know, for older versions of Android and iOS that are, that are still being supported for Minecraft. Um, and that's what happens when you have your game support on all platforms. You're not able to make it the best it can be because you're trying to comp, you're trying to cater to the lowest common denominator, which in this case might be Switch, might be iOS, might be Android, who knows? Maybe it was Xbox. Maybe it wasn't running well on the Xbox version. I doubt it, but maybe. Uh, but, you know, this is this is a little loss in the grand scheme of things. You know, it's a different texture pack for Minecraft uh, that, you know, I'm sure a lot of Minecraft fans are actually disappointed about, and it is sad to see that we're not getting it. But I think this makes that point where, again, we're going to have to... It's going to be so interesting to see how Microsoft answers that question of what makes this game appropriate for multi-platform versus Xbox exclusivity because you have a game like Minecraft where you might initially say to yourself, yeah, this is going to be perfect for multi-platform. Why would we hold this on just Xbox? Make it available on everything. And then years down the road, you might want to do something like the Super Duper Graphics Pack and realize that uh, this is not going to work on everything. Uh, man, if only this was an Xbox exclusive, we would have been able to pull this off. So, you know, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword in that regard. Um, but I just think that both those pieces of news coming out within days apart from each other uh, is just kind of a little funny, a little telling of where things are heading. Again, yeah, I mean, Minecraft is obviously by no stretch of the imagination, you know, a technical mar a, a technically like graphically intensive game. Um, but here's an example of the nature of this Microsoft game being multi-platform is holding it back from being something that they want it to be or having some content or some future vision of the game being what it could be because that's what happens when you don't control all the hardware. Um, so it's just, you know, and not necessarily a horrible thing or a great thing or whatever. Just It's just, you know, something to be mindful of uh, going forward with these kinds of games. Our next bit of news is one I really don't want to get too in the weeds with because uh, this uh, story kind of gave me cancer thinking about it. But, you know, following the horrific events of the shootings in Ohio and Texas uh, a little while back, a couple week, a week or two back, Microsoft, or sorry, Walmart, uh, the popular retail chain, obviously, uh, kind of came back with this um, removing like violent content or, or advertisements or promotions in their stores um, that promote like violent things like violent movies or M-rated video games or things like that. They're not saying we're not going to sell Call of Duty or sell you BB guns at Walmart or, or sell you R-rated movies, but they're just trying to be a little more respectful, mindful of, you know, just kind of some recent events taking place in America. But um there became like kind of a messy story as a result of this with IGN involving them miscommunicating and misinterpreting some quotes from Walmart and just got things out of whack. So um, the original thing that the original internal memo, memo that Walmart uh, sent out to their employees said pretty simply, just remove your store from any signage or displays that contain violent images or aggressive behavior, R remove from the sales floor or turn off these items immediately. So again, basically they're just saying, you know, like if you have like a TV playing an ad for like an R-rated movie or something, you know, take that off. 
if you have like signs up for the newest Call of Duty game and it's like an army guy holding a gun, then take that down. You know, try to be a little more tasteful, things like that. Um, but I don't think by any stretch of the imagination they're saying that we're going to stop selling these certain types of products or movies or games. Uh, and of course, you can certainly still buy real gun ammunition at Walmart. So certainly it'd be hypocritical for them to say we're going to sell you gun ammo, but we're not going to we're not going to. You know, we're not going to sell you gun ammo, but we'll sell you this or that. But I'm getting in the weeds myself again. This is why I didn't want to get too into this. But essentially, it's just Walmart's, you know, just trying to be a little it, – it's a PR move. You know, they're just trying to be mindful and respectful uh, and, and make their business seem like they're, cautious, like they're cautiously aware of the collective, you know, hurt and um, kind of issues going on in this country. Well, IGN, for whatever reason, didn't understand this – idea or this concept and interpreted as Walmart removing mature rated video games from store shelves. So then IGN reached out to Walmart for comment about this, uh, about this story and misconstrued the whole entire thing into this like erroneous story about like some guy on Twitter who said that M rated games were removed completely from his Walmart. Even games like Mario Kart were removed from his Walmart as a result of this. And it's just kind of a mess. And, and I wanted to just, um, just say it as this, you know, it's just Walmart shying away from violent promotional material in an effort to be, like I said, just trying to be more sensitive towards the victims and, and kind of American public consciousness and hurt that is going on as a result of these seemingly growing in, in, in scale and just the sheer volume of violence happening in this country. So I just want to let you know that was a thing that happened. Walmart was just trying to make that move. But yeah, IGN really screwed it up. And then they like post an article where the headline was like, Walmart no longer to promote violent video games, but still sells guns or something like that. And it's just normally I like IGN a lot, but in recent years, IGN has been going like getting recently, like progressively worse where like you've just seen a lot more of that, like liberal, like here are my two cents in your video game news and getting a lot more of that, like clickbaity stuff. And a lot of that, like this isn't news. This is just like bullshit information. I still have a lot of love for a lot of the older IGN staff and, you know, I, I grew up on IGN and I, I'll always love that site, but this is just like the latest example of IGN just doing something a little cringy and, and just kind of really screwing up. And they, they reached out to Walmart and Walmart sent something back to them elaborating on it. And then they just sent it. I, I don't, I don't, again, I, I didn't even write the quotes down. I didn't want to get too into it, but now that I'm here saying it into the microphone, I realize I probably just should have left this entirely out of the podcast. So we'll just move on to the next story. Uh, which is definitely a more interesting and exciting one, which which is that Phil Spencer uh, recently replied to a Twitter user about the uh, more single-player games heading to Xbox platforms in the future. So in response to this, Phil said, Yes, I can confirm. With the addition to XGS, Xbox Game Studios, we have a lot of teams that have built strong SP single-player-focused games, and we want that to continue. And I immediately took this as... This should come as no surprise, of course, as Microsoft really wants to get into what Sony has, which is these amazing story-driven third-person action single-player games. Uh, I'd be shocked if whatever the initiative is working on is anything less than a AAA single-player game. The likes of like Last of Us or God of War, um, I think that's absolutely what Microsoft is working on getting into their portfolio. You know, we hear them talk about the portfolio all the time. That's exactly what they're missing is those kinds of games. I think that's why we saw the, the Tomb Raider um, exclusivity thing happen a couple years back, which was, you know, Microsoft trying to get a little bit of that uncharted market on their Xbox platform. Um, so, yeah, I, this isn't like um, this isn't sending shockwaves or anything, but this is Phil Spencer coming out and saying, yeah, we're definitely working on single player games right now. 
Um, and I think that's a great idea because Microsoft has always been particularly strong with the multiplayer games, uh, with the online stuff. Um, but single player and narrative driven stuff is not always been their bread and butter. Um, and I'm excited for them to jump into that because I think that's absolutely something they've been trying to tackle in recent years. So just kind of affirmation about that. And then we have a wrap up story here, which just, uh, I actually just found right before recording. So this is that Metro Exodus is getting another sequel, which is really quite shocking um, considering that anecdotally, it seems like this, there was a soft response to Metro Exodus's launch earlier this year. The game was published by Deep Silver, but that company is now owned by THQ Nordic. Uh, and buried in this announcement of the game's new uh, studio acquisition, THQ Nordic's um, head, Lars Wingsfors, uh, announced that 4A Games was working with THQ Nordic on another Metro game. It's unclear if uh, 4A Games is working with THQ Nordic directly now, or if the sequel will be under the Deep Silver label owned by THQ Nordic. Not much else is known about the game's uh, future or if um, the future of the Metro series in general. So it's just all we know is that there is another Metro game in development from 4A Games um, somehow related to THQ Nordic. And this is just shocking to me because, again, this is THQ Nordic. It's I don't know where they get this money from, but they're just throwing money around left and right, greenlighting game after game after game. And so few of these games have come out yet, but we know of so many games that are on the way. So, I, again, I don't know how they're financially pulling this off. Uh, but if these games don't come out soon and start really pulling some money in, I, I think THQ Nordic's going to be in some trouble. Um, but it's exciting for Metro fans because every time a Metro game comes out, I think to myself, oh, that's a nice game. But, you know, it's probably going to be the last one because no one's really playing these games. They're not doing very well. Uh, but then we get another one. And it just it's like it's like the little engine that could this this studio making this like um, I, I believe they're from uh, the Ukraine and they're just making these awesome these awesome single player like horror like shooter games that are just really really immersive and um really story driven and just a great time and actually i feel quite bad i haven't played metro exodus yeah i played the first two but uh exodus i have it downloaded on my xbox I'm, I'm waiting for the time to play it i was actually about to play it before wolfenstein came out and then i got distracted but yeah i mean so we're getting more metro which is fantastic because those games seem to keep getting better and better so just be looking forward to that and that's going to do it for this week's news. Um, so real quick, let's go on to the list of games coming out this week on Xbox. This week is a longer week. We have a total of 10 games coming out, but we will go through them fast as to not uh, bore you to death. The first one we've got is Ancestors Legacy coming out on August 13th. It's already out, um, and it is Xbox One X enhanced. Now, this is absolutely a RTS-looking game. If you like Halo Wars 2 but are sad that that game is no longer getting support from 343, then boy, do I have good news for you, which is that Ancestors Legacy is a history-inspired real-time strategy game uh, based on historical events of the Middle Ages, which has literally nothing to do with Halo Wars 2. So it's basically a Halo Wars game, uh, but it takes place in the Middle Ages, uh, everyone is a bubonic plague, and if you don't destroy bases fast enough, um, your character will start shitting and vomiting and then dying because of that rat disease. Um, our next game here is Stellaris Utopia, which came out on August 13th, so this game's already out. So this game is basically about a giant sphere in in, <clears throat> in the middle of uh, space. The thing I don't get about it is it's absolutely a 2D side-scrolling game, so since the whole playing field is a 3D sphere, and you can only walk left and right, it looks like you just walk off the platform and fall down into space repeatedly. I don't know. I have nothing. Uh, honestly, I have nothing to say. This game looks just absolutely horrible. I don't know why you'd advertise your game with a ball when everyone knows that circles are the better shape. The next game is called Exception, which comes out on August 13th. I swear to God, I saw this screenshot a couple weeks ago. This game already came out. 
uh, and I'm not going to give it the satisfaction of reading about it twice. Uh, but you guys already know about that game. That's the game with the um, with the Japanese samurai from the people that make Dark Souls. It's called uh, Exception, August 13th, 2019. Our next game is called PC Building Simulator. Now, this is a really nice game because it's... um. So the picture here shows you know two desks. It shows a bedroom. You see the corner of this bedroom, and you see two desks, one on each wall. Uh, and one has a PC, and the other one has a big X machine with a, with a monitor, which I guess is a PC. And then all over the wall, there are posters for different computer-related parts and, and com- 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 computer companies. So in this game, which is Xbox Play Anywhere, which means you can play it anywhere on Xbox, but you can't play it on PC, uh, the PC Simulator Builder is going to let you live out your, your role-play fantasies. It's going to cater to the male fantasy of building your own PC. So like you're going to have like a whole little community in your bedroom of politically correct people, um, and you're going to have to like build them. You're going to have to start like a government and like a, a list of social rules and and kind of control these uh, politically correct people but you have to it's a simulator so you know you have to you're going to have to make some mistakes to to make it right so you end up have some like Louis CKs and Bill Cosbys in order to um to really get anywhere in this game to you know run through the gamut of you know men uh, making some mistakes coming out and uh, me tooing and all that stuff and then that's going to really be able to unite your pc building community um and then at the end you know you'll hopefully elect hillary clinton as president and it's going to make the the community kind of like uh beautiful and great again and it's just gonna i mean it's just a really awesome game because even though we live in a dark time politically and socially pc building simulator is a really great way to live out that that male fantasy of having a perfect pc community and and really um making the rights that that we should have made back in 2016 but we didn't and then we have Vasara collection this is a collection of japanese games i don't know if it's a collection of games or a collection of people because the screenshot shows four uh, hud displays for four different characters i think it's just the Vasara collection referring to the people I mean that in this in this, um, this space shooter in this arcade shoot 'em up uh you're gonna play as a collection of Vasaras which are like little anime people. So I'll, I'll describe all four anime people from, from left to right. We've got Pasasa, which is a guy with a mustache. He's he's blonde, but he has a mustache. And this guy I would not let near my children. The next guy we've got is another guy. This guy's got a nice tan. He's got a gray mustache. Uh, he's very anime, and he's got uh, very weird blocky eyes. But the next one is where it really gets interesting, which is M Sandayu, which is a very uh, um, what it's a it's a girl, it's a white girl, and she's got red hair and she's got eyes that are four times bigger than the character next to her's eyes. Um, and this girl uh, likes to eat nice snacks and to uh, be really quietess. And then we got the last guy whose name is Esmago, which I think means it's just Japanese for Masago. And for those of you that don't know what Masago is, it's just really disgusting salty egg stuff they put on your sushi at restaurants Um, but this character is the best character of all of them because in the picture this character is picking up some gems so you know that they're rich so if you marry them you'll have a lot of money uh slay the spire is the next game which is looks like some turn-based card battle game so i'm not going to give it any press because i hate card games and i hate any game that's not halo Edna and Harvey, Harvey's New Eyes, is a game, it's a point-and-click action-adventure game where you play as an abused child from Nebraska, Um, and in this game, you're going to be doing a lot of point and a lot of clicking. You hear that clicking? 
And then there's like a like it basically looks like a ripoff to Pajama Sam or um, Freddy the Fish if you ever played those games growing up. One thing to note here though is that the guy at the counter has big eyes. He's looking at this little girl walking into a police station, and she has small eyes, which means that um, it, basically this game is just saying that you know adults see more than kids. Kids are young, kids are stupid, uh, and that adults can see through kids. Um, and so if you're a kid, wear lots of layers of clothes because if an adult sees through you, that is child harassment. That is child abuse. And then we got Gravity Duck, which is a um, looks like a puzzle action platforming little game where you play as a puzzle duck. And it's just like Box Boy. And I'm so tired of games like that. So I don't care about games like that. And then we got Tactics 5 Obsidian Brigade. This game looks like um, shit. It is a retro style tactical turn-based video game an homage to console tactical RPGs of the 90s. But you know what? It's not the 90s. It's the it's the 1919s. So it's the 2019s. So our next game is called Aritana and the Twin Masks. This game looks like um, that really awesome game called Tack and the Power of Juju uh, from earlier in the day. But in this game, Tack has grown up. He's aged a lot. He looks very weathered and old and angry. Uh, but this is, make no mistake, this is definitely like the Zelda Breath of the Wild equivalent uh, for Tack in the power of Juju. Um, I don't know what happened to his frog that he used to have, um, but that frog is now dead probably. Uh, Tack probably likely ate it. Um, but this Tack in the power of Juju game is very good. Uh, it's no longer made by Nickelodeon, but that's because it's a very mature game. Um, where you play as a Native American in search of um, a mysterious inside YPYS temple. That's in the description, so you know it's real. And in this game, you're going to jump, you're going to spin, you're going to kick, and you got bow and arrow. So if you got to shoot Nazis, if you got if you got to kill people, you can do that too. So that's the new tack in the Power of Juju game, which is my game of the year for sure, just because, you know, what a retro throwback. Only kids from the early to mid-2000s are going to remember what a great game that was. So this week we've got some games of gold, uh, just as a reiteration on August lineup, as you got the rest of the month, you got Gears of War 4, and through September 15th, um, starting tomorrow, and through September 15th, you got Forza Motorsport 6, uh, and then today is your last day that you can get Torchlight on Xbox 360 end of things, uh, and then starting tomorrow through the 31st, you've got Castlevania Lords of Shadow, so just a reminder of your games with gold for the rest of the month. And then I'll round out this week's episode, this week's long-ass episode, about five minutes longer than usual, with uh, what I've been playing slash Game Pass Spotlight. I've been incredibly busy this week. I've pretty much not been playing games at all uh, as much as I would like to. So I just uh, really haven't played anything except another hour or two of Wolfenstein Youngblood, except I would like to make right a wrong from last week, which I in which I said... Uh, I, I believe I said something like Wolfenstein Youngblood is not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. The moment-to-moment gunplay is still fun, but I don't like the characters. I don't like the shoehorn shared world shooter type looty type RPG type upgradey stuff and the forced co-op mechanics. Let me elaborate, or let me let me let me add to the list of things I hate. I hate this game. About three hours in, I hate this game. The difficulty in this game is absolute ass. You get in there, you get shooty. And then you die. And then you think, oh, well, I'm underpowered. You, you upgrade, you level up, you die. You try to cons- Every time you die, the ammo you used in your previous life is gone. So you can't get ammo back. And then you just add an ammo. 
and then your stupid AI partner doesn't do shit, and I have a whole video compilation of my video of my partner just like standing there while I'm calling for them to revive me. And they don't do shit. The AI sucks. The difficulty is way too hard. I bumped it. I I lowered the difficulty all the way to the easiest mode possible, and it'll just be like you'll go through a room where it's like moderately challenging, easy the next room, and then difficult as hell the next room. And they just it's not even like it's not even like smart hard. It's just like Here's a corner where you can barely move, and they put 45 of the strongest enemies all next to you. It's just ass. I just I don't even understand this game. It sucks. This game sucks. Screw people complaining about the characters and, and the story. and None of that even matters. What matters is that this game is ass. It's way too hard, and everything sucks. And it's really disappointing because I love these Wolfenstein games, especially the first one. Uh, and just if you haven't played Youngblood and for whatever reason you're thinking of doing it, just remember that I wasted $30 on this game and I regret it every day of my life. It's the biggest mistake I ever made. And, you know, I went to a therapist this week and so that happened. But then also don't forget that next week is Gamescom. Um, so Microsoft has promised to have kind of a big presence there. Um, so Microsoft will be holding a special inside Xbox, um, which you can, which I encourage you to watch if that's something you want to watch. And then also... They have promised that the Gears 5 campaign will be shown, which I know is just like a week or two out from the game's launch, but whatever. If you if you, if you can't wait anymore, you're going to see some Gears 5 campaign footage, which is nice because I've been saying for a while I don't know why they're not showing the game's campaign. So we'll see some of that, but do expect some significant news um, for next week's show from Gamescom relative to kind of the more like summer slow time news we've been getting on recent episodes. So next week should be a pretty decent one with the news coming from Gamescom. Uh, I think that's on Monday or Tuesday uh, that Microsoft will be doing their inside Xbox. I could be completely wrong. I'm going to go double check in a minute. But yeah, so tune in next week for that. Uh, Watch Gamescom if you're interested. And then for me, uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Xbox On Podcast. If you would like to be so kind as to rate, subscribe, any of those things, you know, the only thing I really ask is that you rate the show on iTunes because for some reason that's the thing that helps people find success in the podcast world. Um, so that's the number one thing. Remember only five star reviews, anything less than five stars, you can go fuck yourself. Um, and then the, uh, as far as, um, comments go again, please, if you want to engage, if you want to argue with me about my opinions, write comments, I'll put those in the show. If you want to, uh, elaborate on something I said, do that. If you want to give me your opinions, your thoughts about something, your speculation, let's do it. Let's start talking. Let's start commenting. And then, you know, until next week, that's going to be all guys. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. Follow me on Twitter. My Twitter account, my Twitter account is at real OJ Simpson.